Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on May 5th. 2023 Cinco de Mayo and we're so excited to be having a brand new episode of Lockdown Blue Devils your one-stop shop your only daily podcast that you'll be able to find discussing everything going on in the life of Duke athletics we've got a big focus on Duke men's basketball of course and on today's show we've got another installment of our end of season review for a couple of players on this year's men's basketball team if you haven't done so already please be sure to follow our show on uh, Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Also make sure you follow this podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review as your support of Lockdown Blue Devils means the absolute world to us. Also make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you're watching the show on YouTube. Thanks for your support here of Lockdown Blue Devils. On today's show, very excited to bring on my good pal Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. Kevin, once again, it's great to see you, and we've finally done it. We've got to the end of our end-of-season review for Duke men's basketball, and then we're really going to be able to take a look at what next year will hold, right? Yeah, thanks for having me again, JJ. Uh, it's It's been fun doing these end-of-year uh, end reviews, almost like uh, basically like a job performance review. So uh, no kidding. it's been fun and excited for today's conversation. It's report card time, right? Like yeah. it's, it's got to be a little stressful for these guys to – uh, for us to be nitpicking their games and what they were able to do on the floor. Uh, most recently, we were able to do a really good episode of the transfers for Duke and Ryan Young and Jacob Grandison. Thanks to Josh Cox for joining me on that breakdown and talking about the, the impact that transfers have. Today, we've got guys at the tail end of the bench. Now, they're still on scholarship, right? They were still asked to be Duke men's basketball players, but uh, guys that were excited to break down their games and what they were able to do. Guys, that I guess a, a larger impact that they had on the team, as, as John Shire will quickly tell you at the end of the year banquet, comes in moments like practice, right? And, and really being those top players for the starters and guys at the top of the depth chart to go up against each and every day. Yeah, and I think it could be frustrating for fans knowing that like the only time these guys are quote-unquote performing well is in practice, something that they don't get to see. They just have to hear about it. Right. Um, but you look at the way I guess college basketball rosters are, are, are being built. And um, obviously it feels like everyone's on a one-year contract just in terms of the transfer portal and so on and so forth, one and dones and yada, yada, yada. But it, it feels like these depth pieces or reserve pieces are, are really the key of how your roster is going to be built up and the makeup of your roster and also the future of your team. Now, like I said, that can change in the snap of two fingers because of just – the, the ever-changing landscape in today's edition of college basketball with transfer portal. But it's certainly a, a conversation worth having maybe a little bit down the line about uh, how coaches make up their rosters and what they're even thinking about when uh, recruiting these players. So let's get to it. Let's waste no time here. Let's kind of talk about the seasons that were for the final three scholarship guys on the team that we're going to be discussing in our end-of-season review series. Jalen Blakes, Jaden Shoot, Christian Reeves – all set to give some love today. And we'll start with the lead guard among them and Jalen Blakes. You see his numbers there, 36 games played for Duke. And Jalen Blakes played in all but five of them. So did have an opportunity to get out there quite a bit for the Duke squad this season. 
uh, 3.4 points per game, 1.5 rebounds per game, 1.3 assists per game, and shot 34% from three-point range. So those are the numbers when we start talking about Jalen Blake's, what comes to mind for you, Kevin? Well, I think the biggest comparison I would give him is like a Jordan Goldwire, right? I mean, player that's not going to really score a lot. Um, when you think of him, you're going to think of a, a smaller guard who's really supposed to be there for defense. Now, you remember those, what, week week and a half where Jalen Blakes was the team's best player? Yeah. And you had guys who were banged up and sick and, and so on and so forth. And I think he put up back-to-back like 17-point games and he, he was starting and, yeah. and all this. And it was like Jalen Blakes is going gonna, is gonna to have to lead this team. And, and I think a lot of people said, oh, boy, Duke must be in trouble this year. <laughs> um, but, no, no I, I think um, it, it's tough to give him a grade. Because I think when he played, he was serviceable in his role of spelling a couple of minutes here and there. But then as the season gets later and the tournaments come, the conference and the NCAA, you're going to shorten your rotation. You're only going to play seven, maybe eight guys. And Jalen Blakes was just outside of that rotation. Um, didn't get really any meaningful minutes in in the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament. So um, I, I think it's tough to give him a grade because when he played, he, he, was, he was good. Um, I do think it's interesting, though. I know we still have a couple of days left that uh, players have to enter the transfer portal um, in order to maintain their eligibility next year. I thought Jalen Blakes would be a guy that maybe um, sniffs around and sees what's out there, and maybe he has, and maybe he's going to be a player that um, maybe maybe graduates in three years. We've seen that from a bunch of players all over the country. Maybe graduates in three years, uh, enters the transfer portal after next offseason, and then maybe goes to a, a mid-major or a lesser school than Duke and, and plays a couple of years and has success there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's no secret that uh, these three guys with the transfer portal in the day and age that it is, uh, a little surprising that they are coming back to play for Duke. All three guys could kind of be in that case and in that boat. And as we discussed with Brendan Marks on last week's show, Duke is one of only two or three maybe teams in the entire country to not have a single scholarship player enter the transfer portal. That is wild because as we're talking about here today with these guys that we're going to discuss, they weren't playing and they're still okay with the role and the brotherhood and knowing that there could be an opportunity for playing time in the future and do want to come back for another season. And I'm trying to do some quick math and thinking quick in my head. I think this might be two years in a row. I I think it might be because um, you look at, look at the players in the final four team. I mean, you had all those draft entries in Paolo Bancaro, uh, Mark Williams, A.J. Griffin, Trevor Keels. I think I might be forgetting one off the top of my head. Um, and then Jeremy Roach came back. I think this might be two two years in a row. If, if anyone comes to your mind, please correct me, J.J. Yeah, no, I would say the only one from last year would be Joey Baker with Joe, his fifth year of eligibility going up but, to Michigan. But yeah, still but got maybe, a degree and everything. Did yeah, so a, a grad transfer. So he wasn't a player with – multiple years left under his yeah. belt that, that went up and left. But you're exactly right. I mean, two years in a row that this has been the case for Duke. And um, it's wild, though, right, given what the transfer portal is, that there are only two teams in all of college basketball at the high major level uh, that had no scholarship players enter the transfer portal. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a testament to John Shire, really, because with Mike Krzyzewski leaving, he really didn't have to do any roster retention. It was all John Shire. So the past two years, you give John Shire credit for retaining these guys and selling them on his vision for their role on this team. Certainly appreciate the defensive effort that Jalen Blakes was able to provide this season for Duke in that guard spot. Again, uh, two seasons now with Jeremy Roach. He was one of only two players 
that were had played for Coach K and then had been in there to kind of instill the Duke culture in John Shire's first season this past year. And so, uh, you know, we had those games, as you mentioned, the 17-point outings. He had the face injury in practice, so he wore the black mask from time to time in contests, which is always a fun look out there on the floor. So, yeah, 31 games played for Jalen Blakes, and we'll see what he's able to do as his Duke career continues here. All right, let's keep talking about more end-of-season reviews for certain Duke players on the roster, and we'll continue that conversation after our first time out here on today's show. Lockdown Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best-tasting protein bar ever that you're going to find. It's Built. you got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make the healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. It's Built Bars and Built Bar Puffs. They're healthy and taste absolutely amazing, covered in 100% real dark, dark chocolate, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Awesome flavors like my favorite, cookies and cream, but you've also got double chocolate, you've got coconut brownie puff, churro, peanut butter brownie, and so much more. And they're now available at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Online orders available at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is a proud sponsor of Locked On Blue Devils. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. Let's move on. A couple of more guys to talk about here. One of my personal favorites going into the preseason, still incredibly excited about this guy as a college basketball player, Jaden Shute, who only appeared in 14 games. Again, 36 games on the season. Shute only appeared in 14 of them. What would you make of his time on the floor, and what do you make of his future at Duke? Well, it's interesting because it always feels like the fans fall in love with one player that doesn't play. Yeah. Like when um, I guess Joey Baker, when he was doing that red shirt freshman year and ended up getting burnt and, and that actually came up a couple of weeks ago when he tried to uh, apply for a waiver to get that year back and he got denied. Um, like it was Joey Baker. Um, yeah. This year it's turned into Jaden shoot. We always and, say the backup quarterback's the most popular guy on the team, right? The guys exactly. that aren't actually in there that you just want to get out there. So yeah, you're right. And, and when he played again, serviceable 35% three point shooter, I think um, probably the biggest reason he didn't play as much was his defense. I think that's probably where he has to grow the most going from a freshman to a sophomore. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to be overly negative here on this episode, but like if he's another, if he's a player that doesn't really see his role expand coming into the season, I think he's a prime transfer portal candidate um, after next season because yeah. you're going to have shooters on this team coming in. You're going to have Jared McCain, who's as many projecting to be a, a knockdown shooter. You're expecting Tyrese Proctor to take that next step as a shooter. Could Jaden shoot come off the bench? and be like a 3-and-D guy like you hear a lot in the NBA? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, he has to work a lot on his defense, but um, you like that 35% three-point percentage, although be it in, in limited numbers. Six foot four, six five. you know, a big guard for Jaden Shute out there who does a really nice job shooting the basketball. If you look at what he was able to do in the high school ranks right there in Illinois, he's a top 50, top 75 level player. And if you're an everydayer here with Locked On Blue Devils and you've been listening to us for quite some time, you heard me talk often in last year's recruiting cycle. Now, like, if you're any other school in the country, you were so excited that Jaden Shute is coming to play basketball for you. He had offers from 
just about everybody, and yet he's an afterthought given the success of Duke's recruiting class and his fellow freshmen among them. But a guy that I'm certainly really excited about, he really can shoot the basketball. And uh, if given the opportunity, like I'm, I'm still holding on to my stock at least in Jaden shooting the type of player that he's going to be. Well, you and you mentioned it, Illinois kid grew up right around Chicago, and right there you, you draw the similarities to John Shire. Yeah. I mean, so so maybe they have that connection where Shire. Um, now, obviously, Shire played a little bit more than than shoot in his freshman year, um, but like you could sell him on the vision. Like it's not easy uh, being a freshman in college and playing for the Duke basketball team, um, and, and I think that's something a lot of uh, a lot of kids. Um, at various different schools, they don't take stock in because you see them uh, don't play or not play as much as they want to one year. And then the next year they're out wide right away. And that's because of this instant gratification that these kids are really taught from social media and, and those close to them that they're the greatest player of all time. And in reality, you step up another level and you open yourself up to competition from around the country, and you might not be that great, and you have to put work in. So I always give the benefit of the doubt to the kids that try and see it through and put the work in and are determined to get better um, as the years progress when they're at their given school. If there's a skill, if there's a, a prototype, a power, however you want to deem it, if there's that one thing that could get you on the floor next season for Duke specifically – would shooting be one of those things? I mean, I think that's the conversation that we were having this past year and why some folks thought maybe Jaden would get a little bit more of a run because it just feels like in this day and age of basketball, like you, you're always going to find room or make room for great shooters to be on your team. And I, I, I just truly think Jaden Shoot's going to be a knockdown shooter at the college basketball level. Well, the, the shooting has to be a given. And, and like you said, you can never have enough shooters – on your team. However, I don't think that's going to be the reason he plays next year, because I think that has to be a given. If he's not shooting well, he's not going to play. I think it's going to be his rebounding. Now, granted, I think Duke is still going to add a big man out of the transfer portal. Uh, right. And then we're going to talk about Christian Reeves a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but if Jaden shoot can rebound, like you mentioned, six, five, six, six out of that guard position and be another helping hand down low. I think that's what would see him play a lot more just compared to a shooting. The shooting has to be there. If he's not shooting well, he's not going to get on the court. If he can rebound and defend well, that'll get him a lot more minutes next year. Numbers don't lie, 35% shooting. Of course, you'd like it to be a little bit better, but there were certainly a number of guys that were worse at, at shooting the three ball for Duke this season and certainly got way more volume opportunities than Jaden himself did. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll see what he's able to do. Uh, with more playing time, if that's the case. And as we said, Kevin, as we're recording this, it is still a, a possible for these guys to enter the transfer portal. What if Jeremy Roach comes back and now you've got guards who would rather not take a further seat on the bench with the freshman coming in and ultimately decide to transfer? I mean, there's still a lot of moving parts that could take place. And we'll kind of wrap up our conversation circling back to that in just a moment. But for now, there's one more player that we want to talk about, another freshman in last year's massive freshman recruiting class, a player that many people thought would end up redshirting this past season, but head coach John Shire wasted no time. In fact, in the very first game of the season, November 7th, 2022, John Shire starts his college basketball era. Duke is playing Jacksonville, and the Blue Devils waste no time. Christian Reeves takes the floor 
They do. They waste no time getting him out there on the floor, and uh, he ultimately was able to appear in 13 games this season for Duke. What did you think of Christian Reeves? Well, yeah, th- there was no questions about that red shirt um, much further after. Yeah, the very season. first game, man. <laughs> because that was the talk, right? When even when he committed to Duke, I, I think he he told people like, yeah, like the the plan is for me to redshirt this year. And then you heard good things about him in the preseason and in training camp and in scrimmages. And then you saw a countdown to craziness and he had a couple of flashes where like this kid could play right away. And then it was like, okay, like the plan is he's probably still going to red shirt, but now we're not sure. And then he plays on opening day and there go- the red shirt goes out the window. Um, so we didn't really see a lot of him to, for me to get a, a good, uh, to judge really what, what he can do. Um, Obviously, just a, a point and a half a game, a rebound at seven foot one. Um, you're going to be in there to, to block shots, protect the rim, and rebound. Uh, we saw that with Derek Lively, and it's something Duke's looking for. Now, he went on, underwent ankle surgery after the season, so I'm not sure how long that's going to keep him on the shelf. You would imagine um, pretty good portion, at least until the summer. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how Christian Reeves responds from the ankle uh, surgery and what he's going to do this offseason to try and prove to the coaching staff that he can be um, that number two center behind Orion Young, or he can be that number three center that's really not going to get a lot of time. But I think Christian Reeves, you have to look at him as potentially a player that could be that rim-protecting reserve five if Duke doesn't land somebody they want to in the transfer portal. Yeah, we, we talk about, you know, being efficient with the shots that you take when you're on the floor at that size, and we're still a ways off. I mean, we're not destined for Christian Reeves to have the freshman to sophomore jump that Mark Williams had, yeah. certainly, right? I'm not saying that. Don't don't. I'm not going there. Just simply looking at the effectiveness from shots around the rim, we saw that really early from Christian Reeves this season. His ability to finish through contact – grab dunks with his size, and there is a level of offensive skill in game to him. In the ACC tournament, a game against Pittsburgh, all of a sudden Reeves goes three for three with three dunks and walks out of there with six points in a big-time win that Duke had to start their ACC tournament championship run. So when he was out there on the floor, Kevin, like that that was what was a little bit comfortable to me was seeing that, you know what, you give the ball or give this guy the ball around the rim and uh, he's comfortable with it. And, and, and that's funny because it's not always a given when you've got seven-footers in college basketball, right? Some guys uh, can't catch. They don't feel comfortable. They don't like the contact. And I really did not get that vibe from Christian Reeves this season. Yeah, and you see a lot of that from players who start basketball a little bit later in their careers, I think. Um, and typically that's always documented on broadcast. But that's not Christian Reeves. He comes from Oak Hill Academy a longtime basketball powerhouse, a legendary high school program. Um, it was a three-star recruit. And, and I think, again, it's it's everyone loves that guy who's on the bench that you, you want to see him in there because you think he can do a better job than than the other player, but sure. he really can. And and I think that was Christian Reeves. You, you wanted to see the seven-foot-one guy in there and block some shots and, and try and provide some offense, but it just really wasn't in the cards for him. Um, developmental year, I guess you could say for him, even though he didn't redshirt. But I think that could be good. Maybe the coaches don't view him as a four-year player. Maybe they view him as a three-year player. I'm not really sure on that. So um, it's going to be interesting to see um, how he's utilized next year, uh, especially with the question marks Duke has around the center position right now. 
no doubt in Christian Reeves, of course, uh, high school teammates with Caleb Foster, who's coming in to play for Duke this next season. So that'll be a really exciting reunion. We've seen that a number of different times, most recently uh, with Trevor Keels and Jeremy Roach out of Paul the Sixth High School there in the backcourt. So with that being said, and, and taking a look at these guys today, again, of course, as we're talking, all three of them set to come back and play for Duke another season. I'm surprised that all three of them are coming back next year. I don't know necessarily that we're going to see the largest jump in production from each and every one of them, but I do think this is kind of the footprint that John Shire wants, right? We saw the big story uh, in the middle of the season coming out from Brendan Marks at The Athletic and all those great reporters talking about Shire wanting to develop more players and spend more time with them on campus. This is the start when you've got freshmen who do return for a sophomore season um, that uh, can really develop each and every year. Yeah, th this is this is what you're looking for. And in terms of that jump, uh, I would have to say it's I have to say it's Reeves. I really do. I don't. I, I it, many people probably want me to say shoot, but just in terms of the guards that they have, um, if, it's going to be harder for him to get on the floor. Yeah, and yeah. and it is a big if if Jeremy Roach returns, which. Um, I, I just don't have a feeling he will. It's just a gut feeling. But just even say he doesn't. You have, excuse me, you have Proctor. You have uh, McCain. Um, we talked about Foster. Um, TJ Power. I think yeah. he's more of a wing, but you have to include him as well. Um, and then Jalen Blake's Jaden Shoot. Like it, it's a deep backcourt this Duke team has. And as the later the season gets, the shorter the rotations get. So um, I would say Reeves is probably going to have the biggest jump um, in terms of their numbers from this year to next year. Really excited to see what next year's squad looks like. Of course, as we go into the weekend, we're going to be actively watching the transfer portal closely. Uh, that May 11th deadline is fast approaching, so a lot of guys need to make their final decisions as to where exactly they want to play this next season. So we will see how all of that shapes up and shakes out. And, of course, Kevin, you could follow along with all that coverage at your place, at your website, Ball Durham. Tell me about it. Yep, balldurham.com. We got it all in terms of transfer portal targets, recruiting news, NBA playoff news, football, baseball, basketball. We got it all. So uh, you could read us at balldurham.com and then follow us on Twitter at ball underscore Durham. Kevin, it's always great to see you. I'll talk to you again soon, okay? Absolutely, JJ. Thanks. All right, that's my pal Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham, and he's joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for your support here of this program. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.